0: Radioinfluence.com. Welcome to the Lawfather Podcast. We are here in Lawfather Father headquarters as we charge through 2020. Uh, we are in June now, halfway through the year. And uh, we at the law firm are uh, excited about being halfway through the year and looking at having a, a strong second half of the year and helping out as many clients as we possibly can. Uh, you can follow us on social media at the Law Father on Facebook and TikTok. Yes, TikTok. No dancing. No dancing lawyers over here, uh, but we do put some some of our content up on there. Instagram it's at the Law Father Tampa and Twitter at the Law Father TPA because uh, Twitter doesn't like longer Twitter handles than that so uh, we're gonna have a special guest today uh, in the the studio with us we're gonna have Monique Scott you've heard me talk about Monique Scott in the past she handles a lot of the family law breaking her into the personal injury side now Monique's going to be running for judge here coming up so I believe uh, and she'll be able to tell you a whole lot more but there's a primary coming up I believe in July and then the full-on election is happening in November which is when the the regular elections always happen, so she will be here with us today. We're going to talk about a little bit about her campaign, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our time in the police academy together. So that's actually how Miss Scott and I met was uh, when her name was Monique Garavito uh, prior to her getting married. She's now Monique Scott, which is uh, still still a little bit interesting uh, for me, still getting used to that difference there. But be that as it may, very happy to have her with us today and. We'll go over a lot of a lot of things with her, and we'll cover a lot of different topics. So, we welcome Monique. All right, and we want to welcome to the Law Father Podcast Monique Scott. And as I mentioned, you've you've heard me talk about Monique Scott in the past, and any time that we've had a listener question that deals with family law or criminal law. Uh, I've said, hey, I'll answer it just a little bit and then defer to Monique for the rest of the answer and then to call a five five law father. And uh, we're lucky enough to have Monique in here with us today. And Monique is someone who I went to the police academy with and we were in the academy in oh six and she was with TPD. And I then ended up with Pinellas County Sheriff's Office then. Somewhere down the line, I'd say around 2009-ish, we ended up in law school at Stetson Law together, uh, completely by chance. I really had no idea that that was going to be the case. And then uh, ran into each other in the in the courthouse several times when Monique was a state attorney or an assistant state attorney. And I do some criminal defense because of my law enforcement background and in addition to the personal injury side of things. So we would, uh, I don't know if we ever had any cases together, but we, a lot of times we're in the same courtroom cause there's usually two to three state attorneys uh, because their caseload is so big and it's a big cattle call in Hillsborough County when we go to court. So. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Monique to the Law Father podcast.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thank you all so much for having me. And it does seem as though uh, we were destined to end up uh, working together as trial partners. Um, We have had a lengthy uh, career in uh, working together from from the streets to the courtrooms uh, and the classrooms as uh, uh, law students. So um, it's been quite a, uh, a path. Um, But I'm happy to be here. So thanks for having me.
0: Well, I definitely appreciate you being here with us. and I know you do a lot of good work for us. So, you know, let's start from the beginning. Uh, How did you end up getting into law enforcement? Where did that thought process start and where did you kind of go from there?
1: So um, I think kind of like you, I mean, I was always very athletic. I played sports in high school. Um, I was definitely the, the girl that would, would prefer to be out in the courts um, beating up the boys as opposed to playing inside with Barbies. I ended up in high school. I had a guest speaker for the Great American Teach-In. I remember it very clearly. He was a FBI a special agent, and he talked to our class. And it was probably a pivotal time in my life as a young adult because it was high school, and it's around that time where you start getting exposed to, um, to certain things that could lead you down the wrong path. And, uh, this, this special agent with the FBI was like, look, if you want this amazing career in the field and you get to, you know, do fun and exciting things, you just can't get in trouble. Um, so that's kind of what sparked the interest and planted the seed, uh, that would eventually lead me, um, into, uh, to trying to or becoming a police officer with the, uh, Tampa police department. Yeah.
0: So you spent some time in law enforcement and then where'd you go from there?
1: So, um, kind of a long story, but cliff notes version is my career with the Tampa police department. Um, ended up uh not well it 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 expired because um i'm epileptic so this was in 2009 before the american disabilities act or excuse me this was 2006 before the american disabilities act um included epilepsy as a disability in which accommodations must be made for by your employer so despite having been through the academy um through holdover through field training and being cleared medically by several doctors, the city of Tampa had renegotiated their contract with their medical doctor for the pension. And at the time, that doctor did not want to clear me for the pension. So in 2006, I was had no coverage as far as legal remedies. And um, that then led me into transitioning into careers uh, to become a teacher. So I've always uh, wanted to... To, to serve my community. And, you know, I really believe in working within the community. And I believe in helping the community on a foundational level, by really just serving public service uh, type of career. So I have an aunt who's a kindergarten teacher, and I have several friends who are teachers as well. And they all really enjoyed their careers and were enjoying their careers. So I ended up getting into teaching and I taught fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, Eighth grade, and did that for five years. And and I will mention that currently now, and this is where I got the years confused. So in 2006, the ADA, the American Disabilities Act, did not cover epilepsy as a disability. But luckily, it was reformed in 2009 to include that. And I don't think I've ever told you this, but when that did happen. I was asked to, oh, why don't you reapply and go through the academy again? And I was like, I am never <laughs> going through that academy again a second time. No, thank you. Yeah. And I was already, once. we were already in law school at that point too. So it was uh, three years later. But good thing is is that now it's covered, and that is when you and I reconnected because yes. we were at orientation at Stetson Law School for the part-time program I was teaching full-time you were working full-time as a deputy
0: Yep, I was at uh, Hillsborough County at the time
1: yeah and we are both at orientation breakfast and I turn around and you're standing in front of me and I'm like what are you doing here it's such a dumb question to ask but did not expect to see you I'm sure you were just as shocked as I was.
0: I was, and I was probably only half there, which is, I think, how I spent a lot of the time. I was When I was at the sheriff's office, I would work midnights, at least in the beginning of law school. I was working midnights. So I would go 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., and ah. then I would go home and shower yeah. and go over to uh, Stetson, which is in uh, South St. Peter, Gulfport area. It's right on the border there. So that's uh, it was probably... Not all the way there at the time at a at a breakfast at orientation, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it was definitely good to reconnect because it kind of, who would have thought that this is the path that we'd be on now, mm-hmm. uh, being in the same firm and uh, being able to handle more different c- types of cases than we otherwise would be able to prior to Monique joining us. Any of the family law cases, we'd refer out and I would only handle a certain amount of criminal cases at any one time, uh, just based on caseload. I don't want to ever take on too many cases that don't allow me to provide, uh, you know, kind of exceptional service if you will. And the criminal law law side can, can get somewhat labor intensive, which is perfectly fine, but you have to be able to handle that labor intensive piece. So having Monique with us has been great. Um, and then, you know, we, we talk about law school and connecting there and, you know, I disappeared for a time in law school because even though we started out part time and in law school, you, you go to classes with right. the people you go in with. And I should have been in classes with all of those people, yourself, yeah, included. But your
1: schedule, your, your work schedule, working as a deputy, like you said, from 7am to 7pm, I think nope, other way the way other way around from 7pm to 7am, yeah. you weren't able to go with with us as a class so you ended up taking classes during the day I believe
0: I I did they made a a special schedule for me actually where I went during the day with the full-time students but then we reconnected actually Mm -hmm. I moved to a a 3 p.m to 3 a.m shift and I had a supervisor who was great I actually took time off during my shift to go to class I would take vacation time go to class And then go right back out because we were in the Tampa campus, so we kind of reconnected there.
1: Yeah, I remember taking a few classes together. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they were later on in school, Um, so it got kind of closer to when we were at time for passing the bar and then kind of going out and How was that for you?
1: Because I mean, okay, for those of you that are listening who are unfamiliar with the Florida bar, the Florida bar is this extremely intense exam which all attorneys in the state must pass, and Florida is a state that is considered one of the 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 hardest um, state bar exam to pass. Uh, How did that work for you? You know, working full time, and then studying because I know I was actually ended up uh, leaving my my job teaching so I could study because I spent like 20 hours a day. Well, maybe not 20 (laughs) hours, but at least it was like a full time job studying. So how did you manage that?
0: It's kind of interesting. Actually, i would gotten hurt. Uh, at the sheriff's office in 09 and eventually had a hip surgery, tried to go back and work some. And it just, it really was not working out in terms of trying to work through and and be, be active and successful, uh, with having a a major hip surgery at, at under 30 years old. So I actually had a friend who, who offered me a position in a general counsel's office. So I actually had left the sheriff's office before the bar and, took one more step after the general counsel's office, had ended up in a personal injury firm. And when they hired me, I made the agreement with them, they hired me in January of the year we took the bar, which was I think 2013. Yeah, it was 2013, I started yeah. January of 13. My agreement with them was I was gonna take all of February off, because we took the February bar. Right. So I actually took all of February off and studied for the bar itself. Getting through school was brutal trying to Work in law yeah. enforcement and get through school itself. Okay. So, but kind of made it through, and here we are today. Yeah. Um, but I know you had a stop in between law school and here. Yeah.
1: So before, uh, you know, reconnecting again and working together. I um, so after graduating law school, I took a uh, job with the state attorney's office here in Hillsborough County. I knew I wanted to get back into um, law enforcement. I guess. Most likely because since it was that opportunity was taken away unexpectedly from me, I really wanted to have that opportunity to work at least alongside law enforcement and uh, obviously, again, continue serving the community. Um, So, working with the state attorney's office, I mean, to me, there's no greater career or opportunity to really get some intense trial experience when you are working with the state attorney's office because you are literally. In court every single day. I stayed there for six years, and I served in six different specialty prosecution units. Started off in uh, county misdemeanor. So in county misdemeanor, that encompasses uh, misdemeanor crimes and traffic. You know, so your simple batteries, your assaults, your domestic violence batteries, injunctions, and you know, we had trials uh, once a month in county court. And then I got promoted to violation of probation uh, division and then to drug court and then to felony uh, circuit court. And then when you're in felony circuit court, you have trials every other week. And then finally uh, finished my career at the state attorney's office with the economic crimes unit, which specializes obviously in in crimes and dealing with uh, economic um, offenses. Mine was particularly in workman's compensation fraud and construction fraud without a license. So to combine together those six years and those six different units that I served in, which was, again, misdemeanor county, uh, violation probation court, drug court, felony, um, economic crimes, and then oh, I did domestic violence misdemeanor court as well. I've had over 100 bench trials um, bench trials are trials that are just in front of the judge. There's no jury. And then over 160 first chair jury trials. Um, so first chair jury trials are those trials, which are my cases that I'm spearheading. Doesn't include the ones that you you end up sitting on second chair because uh, you're in trial every other week and then somebody needs you for a trial because you've got, they've got like five trials going on in one week. And that's literally the way this, the schedule is. It's crazy, but wonderful experience. And uh, that's that's how I got. That's that was my next step, basically the state attorney's office. And-
0: yeah, no, that's excellent. So you bring you know a lot of trial experience to the table, which on the private sector side of things, on in private attorneys' offices, you know, if we get one to three trials a year. Uh, that's a lot for a small firm. So just to put it in a little bit of perspective, because uh, it's just, it's a different scenario, especially when you're talking about civil cases and when you're talking about auto accidents, for the most part, the insurance companies, they want to resolve the ones that should resolve and, and they'll give out their policy limits. And the ones that you're fighting about in court in in trials are usually the cases that there's usually really bad facts for our clients and on the plaintiff side of things. So you know, just to put that in the amount of trial work in the perspective, that's what we see uh, on our side of things. But the criminal side is definitely different than the civil side because you see more cases go to trial on the criminal side than you do on the on the civil side. But I, I want to transition a little bit, Monique, because I know you're doing something right now um, and I I talked a little bit about it before, but coming up July and November, what's going on in July and November?
1: So July is extremely important because we have the primaries coming up, August 18th, and I am running for Hillsborough County court judge. Um, So I decided to run uh, because with my experience um, being in the streets as a police officer, being in the classrooms as a teacher, and then being in the courtrooms as a trial attorney with the state attorney's office, I felt that I brought a very unique perspective uh, that would benefit the community in a way, possibly in a way that no one's done before. You know, I, I know what it's like um, to to encounter the mental health issues that we see so frequently uh, right now. Um, I know what it's like uh, to be in the classrooms and see the disconnect between the education system and the criminal justice system. Um, I've, I know what it's like as, as, a, as a prosecutor, as a human being to, to see individuals who make bad choices and it, it ruins their lives or it ruins somebody else's lives. And, you know, that experience in trials every other week, uh, I feel very, very comfortable in the courtroom. And I've always been involved in uh, community service. I, I started at a very young age. I'm from Tampa. So I started at the age of uh, 15 um, with Kiwanis, with the Key Club. And uh, that just led me to to where I'm at now, serving on four different boards, um, really immersed in the Hispanic population of, of our community. But I think, you know, being what's considered a younger judge, I'm 38. I don't look, and I'm not the traditional judge. I mean, I'm I'm female, I'm Hispanic. I'm I'm a mother to a, a high schooler. I'm a wife and I've got this really unique background that I think is something that the community wants and needs because it it means that the person who's up on the bench as the judge is a person who who has all these experiences and adversities that they've had to overcome much like you and much like many people in our community. And that's the kind of people that we need on the bench. Uh, Not somebody who, you know, just grew up entitled, um, hasn't really had much life experience, um, hasn't really had to deal with much adversity, not invested in the community. I mean, and I'm hoping to 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 be that difference on the bench. So, yeah, I'm running for judge and uh, the primaries are August 18th. Uh, There are four total of four candidates in the race. Um, I need to be in the top two in order to move on to the general election in November. Right now, everything is looking wonderful. I mean, it's been a unique campaign. 2020 has been a unique year, but uh, my campaign committee is extremely diverse. We ha- Yes, of course, we have plenty of, t- of attorneys on the committee, um, but what I'm most proud of is, is that we have teachers, we have small business owners, we have um, real estate agents and brokers, we have essentially community members, citizens throughout the entire Hillsborough County area who are behind me, who are on my committee, who are supporting me and who want to see me as the next Hillsborough County court judge. Um, And it's something that I'm humbled by and, uh, and I'm just ready to, to continue serving by taking this next step. So that's, what's going on. And, uh, Yeah. I mean, I would love to have your listeners support and if they need more information, um, they can visit my website, which is, uh, www.scottforjudge.com. The, uh, four is the number four, or, uh, definitely encourage you to visit the Facebook uh, campaign page, which is Monique Scott for judge. That's honestly, um, probably the most interactive website, I guess you could say. Um, that we utilize on a daily basis. You can see my community involvement and you can see that I've been invested in the community um, my entire life, not just when I decided to run for judge. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on all of the social media platforms. And I would encourage everybody to, um, to, to get out there and vote. Uh, historically primary elections, we don't see a high voter turnout. 2016, the last primary election during a uh, uh presidential campaign year, um, only 16% of registered voters in Hillsborough County turned out. So you're talking about a very small piece of the pie determining who your, who your judges are, who your, your local leaders, leaders are. So, um, I would encourage everybody to do their homework, do their research and remember to vote Monique Scott for Hillsborough County court judge.
0: And I can tell you, I'll be voting for Monique come time to vote. So, no, I encourage you all of you to do the same. Uh, I've known her for long enough that I can't think of a, a better candidate out there for judge, a more upstanding individual. So when it comes for judge, time for judge, vote for Monique. If in the meantime, you have a family law case or a criminal case, give us a call at 855-LAW-FATHER. We'll both be here to help you. Although if it's family law, it'll definitely be Monique. Uh, if it's criminal law, it'll most likely be Monique, but I'll be here to, to help out as well. Um, so Monique, thank you very much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Really appreciate having Monique Scott here with us in the studio today. And, you know, if you ever need any help with any family law or criminal issues, give us a call at 855-LAW-FATHER and ask for Monique Scott. She'll be able to give you a hand and uh, we'll do whatever we can to help you out. Uh, she does do some unique things. Uh, I know sometimes people aren't ready and prepared for having a legal issue and, uh, by, le- by prepared, I mean from the financial standpoint. So we do work with people, and Monique works with our clients in terms of payment plans. Uh, PayPal credit also is a way to get your legal fees paid. And uh, you know, we just try to work with people to help them get the help that they need through their legal issue. When it comes time to vote, by all means, go and vote for Monique Scott for Judge. Not sure if I want you all to go out and vote for Monique Scott for Judge or not vote. For Monique Scott to be judged because if she wins, uh, well, she'll be leaving Frankie Law and uh, if she loses, she'll be staying at Frankie Law. So I guess somewhat selfishly, uh, kind of hoping she stays around. Uh, but all kidding aside, I know that she really wants to and is really qualified to hold that judicial position. Uh, I, I couldn't really actually think of anybody better for that position, especially having known Monique for as long as I have. So you know, when it comes time to vote, go vote for Monique Scott for judge. And that is a wrap on the Law Father podcast for the day. So, as we get into and transition into what next week's podcast will look like, we've had a couple of special weeks over the past two weeks. We had Tino Martinez and Coach Joe Urso from the University of Tampa in with us last week. We have Monique Scott with us here this week. Next week, we're going to get back to some regularly scheduled programming, if you will, uh, between case and no case and question and answers from listeners. I didn't think it was fair to play case or no case with Monique, as uh, she should know the answers to these. Uh, So I think it would take a little bit of fun out of the game. So we're going to leave that for when we have a non-attorney guest on the show. So look out for our regularly scheduled, scheduled programming coming back to us next week. As always... You can reach me eight five five Lawfather. If you have a question for the show, Lawfather at at tampa lawfathercom Once again, that email is Lawfather at tampa com. Check us out on social media. Just type in at the Lawfather. You will find us on every piece of social media out there, including TikTok and Lawfather out. This is a dark to light with Frankenbean's Quick Fix
1: on Radio Influence. This came out the other day. I don't know if you saw this. Um, Our Sheriff Grady Judd.
0: Oh, he's the one talking about uh, Polk County?
1: Yeah, let me play it for everyone. I have
0: received information on social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods. I would tell them if you value your life, you probably shouldn't do that in Polk County. Because the people of Polk County like guns. They have guns. I encourage them to own guns. And they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you, Mad Liberals, for adding that into the end for me, because I asked him to do it.
0: Yeah, no, that's... Uh... That's fantastic! It's so good to hear. Yep. It's so good to hear. And if we had we had uh, if we had sheriffs and chiefs like that. Um, oh, if that were if that were the reality everywhere instead of these, once again, chiefs and sheriffs taking knees, bending the knee and um, and being conquered. It's it's uh, it, that that's an amazing thing to hear. I, I love that. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts,
1: and RadioInfluence.com.